they're not going to be able to kick their way to beating Toulon. They've got to score more tries. You go all out attack. Leinster aren't going to lose by a cricket score. It's a semi-final. They don't have. I don't. I don't think that's in their DNA. Can they beat Toulon? Yeah, I think they can. But a lot has to go right. And here is Scott Sinclair. He could send Villa to Wembley now. It's Scott Sinclair. He does. Aston Villa are heading for the semi-finals. Yeah, Dublin started up. Hopefully, we give them a rest. This is a Rewind Podcast Big Weekend Special on News Talk. In there, you heard from Brian O'Driscoll ahead of a big couple of days in which Leinster's season and maybe even Matt O'Connor's time in charge will be defined. Also, tip footballer Colin O'Reardon on their clash with Dublin in the Airgrid All-Ireland Under-21 semi-final. Michael Meehan, formerly of Galway, will join us later to preview that and the other semi between Roscommon and Tyrone in Sligo Manchester United can make one last title bid with a win over Chelsea ok the title is probably beyond them but a win for United would do Arsenal a big favour their focus though is on the FA Cup this weekend they face Reading in Saturday's semi we'll preview both of those games and Liverpool's clash with Aston Villa with David Connolly we look ahead also to the Allianz League semi-final double header in Nolan Park as Cork face Dublin and Waterford play Tipperary seven time All-Ireland winner with Kilkenny, Brian Hogan will join us for that. Let's start with rugby though and we'll hear from Keith Wood shortly. But first, it's Sean Cronin and Jimmy Gopperth of Leinster on where they need to improve ahead of Sunday's match. Uh, we'll also get the assessment of Irish Times rugby correspondent Jerry Thornley. Uh, like it's 15 on 15 on a pitch. Um, I know they might be, you know, like I said, they, they, they're an awesome side but we have to have a bit of belief and, and go down and try and, like I said, put the performance of a few seasons in down there. People say, oh, Leinster has been poor this season, but look, we're in the semi-final of the European Cup. Uh, you know, we just didn't get there just by chance. You know, we've worked hard, we've, um, you know, we've put a lot of, uh, you know, as you say, a lot of work in off, off the field and, and it's come through. There was an improvement against the Dragons around in lots of areas actually last week, allowing for the team that was picked and the selection and who they were playing against, but there were only nine missed tackles and that defeat and knowing that their league chances have all been but scuppered means that they have to focus their minds like nothing else and there will be a fear factor a la the 9 semi-final which Leo Cullen was referring to as well and it could just produce the performance of the season and that's because they damn well know it has to be. In terms of the game, yeah, we've looked to identify a few areas that we can um, get at them looked at the game, a few of us weren't involved in the weekend, so looked at, at Toulon and had a look at their game from last year and you know we coughed up a few vital scores from poor execution on our behalf in terms of our set piece and, and uh, our detail at the breakdown which last season they, they totally dominated us. Um, Bastero, Labe, Armitage absolutely killed us, we couldn't get any ball going so a few key areas for us to look at for, uh, for Sunday. is a Rewind Podcast Big Weekend Special. I'm Oisín Langan. That is Sean Cronin and Jimmy Gopperth of Leinster and Irish Times rugby correspondent Jerry Thornley who spoke to Off The Balls Wednesday Night Rugby about Leinster against Toulon this Sunday in the Champions Cup semi-final. It's live on Off The Ball. Let's hear now from former Ireland captain Keith Wood who spoke to me on News Talk Breakfast about how important it is for Leinster to get on the right side of referee Wayne Barnes. Um, I think it's essential to get on the right side of him, and I think at times we can see some of the Irish teams and the Irish team itself almost arguing the toss with his interpretation from in the first ten or fifteen minutes. And once you do that, I'm saying that he takes uh, against uh, the Irish team, but it just makes it more awkward for him to give you the decision. And I think that seems to happen an awful lot. It becomes incredibly important to follow exactly what he's saying at work time, about, not, about supporting your own ways, about not going off your feet, um, about having 
discipline of execution than it is just so for him because it's something he's unbelievably keen on and he can ping, ping you off the park. One of the good parts for that is that in the manner in which Toulon look, it is bordering on the level of being um, on the fine line of the law all the time and if he takes a slight against them, that'll be great. Brian O'Driscoll, Brian O'Driscoll says this is essentially a free shot for Leinster, so they might as well go for it and be a bit more open. Um, is it possible to just turn that kind of thing on, though? Um, I, you know, I think it's essential, and I think that's the um, that's a, it's a very good view of looking at it. Nobody expects Leinster to win. Um, they would expect Toulon to have a really, really bad day for Leinster to have a chance. They have all the money, all the quality international players. Um, they're going for three in a row. Everything is set for them. They don't really lose. Um, they're even though they're not as comfortable in this stadium as they are in their own stadium. Um, everything is is set for Toulon to win. That's a kind of fantastic um, uh, ability for a team that is kind of under the cosh that haven't performed to the standard that you would expect. You know, Leinster struggled somewhat this year, and yes, they're 80 minutes away from um, a champion final, and that's not a bad place to be. And just before I let you go, what's your prediction? Um, again, I I can't see Toulon losing, and um, um, as I've, Ivan has been consistently slagging me all year, I keep getting them wrong. So I'd like to be yeah. wrong in this instance <laughs> as well. But you know, I I think it is for Leinster to to perform at their absolute best. Hope for Toulon to have a bad day, and then they have a chance. But uh, if I was putting money on it, it would be Toulon. This is the News Talk Sport Rewind Big Weekend Special. And that was Keith Wood on Toulon against Leinster in the Champions Cup semi-final in Marseille, live on Off the Ball this Sunday. Football now, and it's a huge weekend with two FA Cup semi-finals and a showdown between Chelsea and Manchester United in the Premier League. The Reds are eight points behind Chelsea, having played a game more, while Arsenal are second, seven behind the Blues, with the same amount of games played. Now, the Gunners aren't involved in league action because they play Reading in the Cup Semi on Saturday, while Aston Villa meet Liverpool on Sunday. Ex-Ireland striker David Connolly joins us now. David, before we preview the games, uh, football fans face a dilemma on Saturday, whether to watch Chelsea and United or Reading and Arsenal, they kick off within 10 minutes of each other. Which one will you go for? Well, to be honest, I'd go with the Arsenal. I'd go with the FA Cup because I think, I think the Chelsea-Man United game is, is, is set up for Mourinho, basically. It's his kind of game. Again, he doesn't need to win. I think he'll be very defence-minded. If you've seen them lately, their performances have been scrappy and poor. Um, I'd go with the FA Cup for sure. Does that suit them that they've been scrappy and poor or is it um, is it nerves coming to play at this time of year or, or, or what is it? Well, I think it's a, it's a combination of things. I just don't think they're playing as fluidly as, you know, for example, Man United are at the moment. Um, he doesn't really seem to fancy Oscar, who for me is one of his best players. He's his third top scorer, but he's leaving him out at the minute. Um, although when he brought him on against Kukar, he was very effective. I think he made a mistake playing Costa. Um, he was obviously not fit. Um, he's ruled out for a few weeks. They've got Jogba up front, uh, you know, who's aging now. So I think they've got a few holes there to, to fill um, Chelsea. But saying that, it's an ideal game. It's one he, he doesn't need to win. A point keeps him eight points ahead of Arsenal and they have to play Arsenal. So he'll just play two sitting in front. He might bring Zuma in and just play his typical defensive-minded approach. Maybe nick a goal on the break with a bit of genius from Hazard or from a set play uh, I think he'll love this the, the fact that he doesn't need to make the game and, and it's all on 
his mentor Louis Van Gaal really to to do to make the game for Man United. And there has been talk that Louis Van Gaal has finally found the formation and team and setup that he wants. Do you agree with that theory? Well, I think he he obviously he for his first time ever he he came to a back three in the World Cup for Holland. And, you know, he seemed he, he tried to bring that into Man United a bit like Harry Redknapp did at QPR. And, and Harry changed. That wasn't working at QPR. And obviously, he changed at Man United. Now, saying that, he was trying to shoehorn in two strikers. Um, he brought Falcao in. He was trying to get him in the team. So he had to play two up front. He was trying to get Van Persie in the team. He was trying to get Rooney in the team. So that meant playing some sort of 4-4-2 or 3-5-2. But it just wasn't working. You can tell they're much more settled with you know, one up top, a typical Dutch way, a way, a system that he will know really, really well. Um, but saying that, that for me, it's, it's more their back four that's key. Keeping a back four in place. They've got Michael Carrick in front. I think the rest of the players and the forward players can go and do their damage. Um, so, um, obviously, they've got Fellaini for long balls who can win flick-ons, etc., etc. So, for me, they've got a bit of everything. You know, if they want to keep it on the floor, they can. And if they want to go in the air, they can do that as well. Has he finally cracked Wayne Rooney by putting him back up front? Well, I mean, I think Wayne Rooney is one of obviously the best players in the world, and particularly when he's playing up front. Um, so, you know, that that energy he uses up by running around is 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 good for the team. You know, but not necessarily best for Wayne. Um, but you know, his finishing ability and his pace and power, you know, that's where he's more effective for me. So, yeah, I, I believe so. It's, it's probably fallen in his lap a little bit, Van Gaal, and that he's had injuries to to Falcao and Van Persie, so he's had to go with one up front. And um, um, I don't think he'll be changing between now and the end of the season. That's for sure. What's your prediction for this game? The title race really does need a United win, but what do you think will happen? I, to be honest, I know they've won six in a row, uh, Man United, but they have to make all the running. Like I say, this will suit Chelsea down to the ground. I can just see it. I can see a nil-nil, to be honest. And if Man United do pull off a win, I, I, I think it'd be an amazing result. Um, but uh, for me, uh, I, I think it'll be a nil-nil. Arsenal against Reading. Um, before we move on to Villa-Liverpool, I presume you're only seeing one result there. I would, I would say so. I mean, you know, on the basis of um, how Reading has done in the league, they've been very scrappy. It hasn't quite worked out for, for Steve Clark as yet. You know, the results haven't quite come. Um, it's great. Obviously, they've got, you know, Martin Keown's sons playing there, you know, and they're playing against Arsenal. Um, he scored the winner last week, I think it was. Um, but, yeah, to be honest, on, on the form with... Arsenal's pace and power and the options they've got in midfield and up front, I mean, um, they're in terrific form. I can only see one winner there. Now, what about Aston Villa? A massive upturn in form since Tactics Tim took over and Benteke, well, he's been on fire. Yeah, like you say, I mean, he's I mean, eight goals in his last six games and it seems like Tim Sherwood has got that personality to get the best out of players. You know, um, obviously he's mentioned Adebayor before at Spurs and how he got the best out of him. And he, he seems to have a good way with his players. I think he's pretty honest. Um, he's, I wouldn't say he's one of the lads, but he's similar to that. I went to see him at Spurs a few years ago, um, watching work um, down in their academy. And, you know, he, had, he just had a very good way about him. He's got obviously a lot of knowledge. He's, he's been at the top level. He's won the Premier League. Um, and I think he's just got a, a good personality for Villa at this time. Plus, they've got an amazing academy. They won the Next Generation Series, which, well, it was scrapped. But that's like the Champions League for youth. And Aston Villa won that a couple of years ago. He's not afraid to 
give young players their debut like he did with um, another Irish lad, Jack Grealish. So, you know, he's, he's brave, Tim Sherwood, and I think he's just what they need at this moment in time, Villa. They need someone with a good personality, a bit of positivity, and still a bit of confidence in those players that were maybe lacking, not get on at them too much, and um, obviously bring, bring the youth through you know, in a similar vein like he did at Tottenham. And what about this game? They're up against Liverpool, who won during the week, uh, previous to that two bad results in a row. Their defence has creaked, and Villa looks set up to exploit that. Well, there could be. I mean, Villa have got a few injuries. I don't know if Bonnehoe is going to be fit or not, which would be a shame, because his pace uh, is a fantastic outlet for Villa. Um, a bit like Man United, change from a back three to a back four, and uh, it's hard to say they look more settled. Um, I think they suit... Uh, a back three, actually, but they're missing Sacco. Will Skirt will come in. Lovren hasn't really done it. They've scored, I think it's 41 goals less than this stage last season. And if you're conceding goals, that's a bit worrying. So they've got it all to do. I mean, this is a welcome break from the league because they're four points, uh, I think, on Man City, plus a goal difference of 20 goals they'll never make up. And they've got Southampton chasing on their heels. So... Uh, I'm, I'm just unsure. I think I think they've got obviously attacking options up front, but nothing's. Ro- I wouldn't say everything's rosy there. Sterling has still got to commit to a contract. Jordan Henderson's still got to commit to a contract. In the week of an emotional, you know, Hillsborough Memorial 26 years ago, I think I think Liverpool need to get to an FA Cup final, and 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 they need to win it. I mean, don't forget Kenny Dalglish was sacked. He got to an FA Cup final, and and he won the League Cup. So I think I think after all the money Brendan Rodgers spent, he, he's got it all to do. Are you suggesting he's under pressure to well, keep his job? I mean, well, if you look at previous managers and how they've got on, you know, now Brendan had a terrific season last season, um, finishing second. Saying that, you know, he spent an awful lot of money, um, and you know that was thrown that was thrown around at Kenny Dalglish when he was the manager. Um, you know, now Jordan Henderson's come good on that, but he spent a lot of money, Brendan Rodgers, and you wouldn't say too many of those signings have been a success. And at the end of the day, American owners, it's the bottom dollar for them, I feel. Whenever I look at them in charge of teams, it's the bottom dollar. So, Brendan will know. He has to. He has to try and get that fourth uh, that fourth Champions League finish. I mean, you know, that's going to keep mm. players there. That's going to keep the likes of Sterling and Henderson. Never mind, you know, keeping him in a job. Um, he's, he knows he's under pressure, I feel, to deliver with what he's spent and where they are in the league. So I wouldn't say his job's in total danger after last season, but I think, I think it, it, it'll have to start next season very, very well. And, and I feel it'll have to bring him to an FA Cup final and, and if not, win it. Does that stuff with Sterling and I during the week unsettle things or does it have any effects on a squad of players going into a big game like this? No, I mean, I think, I think you know, youngsters now, there's, there's not a lot they can do without... Everyone finding out about it, whether it's in the privacy of their own home, mobile phone footage, whatever it may be, nothing's kept secret these days. And at the end of the day, I don't know, they were just having some laddish, childish fun in a long season. I think you're allowed a, a, a mistake or two, wouldn't hold it against them. He seems to live his life the right way off the pitch. Um, but I wouldn't say that would have an effect on the team, no, not at all. And just before I let you go, uh, a quick prediction Villa Liverpool. <laughs> Let me think. It's a tough one to call, isn't it? It it, it is a tough one because I think Villa have got injuries. They're lacking. Obviously, Clark might be out of the back. Uh, He's been really important to them centrally. Um, uh, They're missing that Gondor. 
I, I think Liverpool might nick it, but I think I think it will be I think it will be close. I think it will be a match that will really suit Tim Sherwood and how his teams play a bit more direct. I think it will be right up their street. It's just a shame that Bonnehall's out. I think he would have really caused some problems. I'd say Liverpool nick it by the odd goal. And you mentioned Jack Grealish a couple of moments ago. Martin O'Neill has been talking about him. He said that you know he wouldn't perhaps be ready to start an international yet. But do you think he could add something to this Ireland team, especially given what we saw against Poland? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't be ready to start. Why not? I mean, you know, sometimes you've got to throw young lads in. Nick McCarthy did that when he was manager. Um, he gave a lot of lads, young lads, uh, their debuts. Myself or Che Given or whoever, you know. I think I think if you're if you're good enough, you you, you give them a chance. And um, I think in that number ten role, particularly how international football is, you might have to play five in midfield. You know, he could be he could be ideal. Someone who keeps the ball, keeps it ticking over, and he's got he's got ability on it. So um, hey, he's played at every level now for Ireland. It's only a matter of time, and um, I'm sure he will. David Connolly, as always, thanks for joining us. Thanks. David Connolly there. This is the News Talk Sport Rewind Big Weekend Special. I'm Oisín Langan. Hurling now. Seamus Callanan will be available for Tipperary's Alliance League semi-final with Waterford on Sunday. The Mirror reports that the forward suspension was quashed by the Central Appeals Committee, having first been rejected by the Central Hearings Committee. Alan Cadigan has been named a corner forward, by the way, in the Cork side to face Dublin in the first of Sunday's double header at Nolan Park. Stephen MacDonald returns to corner back while Mark Ellis is over his injury and is at centre-back. Seven-time All-Ireland winner Brian Hogan joined me to preview this game and I started by asking if the Dubs would be extra motivated given the trimming they got from the Rebels earlier in the league at Crow Park. The Dublin guys will use as motivation or team and I think uh, I was at that match and the performance was, was, was very, uh, pretty below par for, for Dublin standards. Um, it was a poor match in general to be honest. I thought it was lacking, seriously lacking in intensity. I think... Um, I think uh, as individuals, I suppose individual players, I'm sure they will reflect on that in terms of their own personal battles and use it as a motivation, motivational factor, you know. Um, at least I, I think they should, they should, they certainly should do anyway. Um, and so they should have, you know, that in the, in the bank in terms of uh, as a, as a, a benefit, you know, over Cork who maybe need to be careful that they don't approach the match, um, you know, thinking it's going to be the same as it was in Crow Park, you know. What has impressed you and what hasn't impressed you so much about Dublin so far this season? Um, what's impressed me, I think um, the first two matches, they sent out a, a very, I suppose, clear signal of their intention, you know, beating Tip and beating Gilkenny. It was at the Gilkenny match in the park and uh, their use of the ball was very impressive. Um, they clearly had been working on a style of play under Jared Cunningham. You know, you could see the way they were looking, they had their heads up the whole time, trying to, to pick out a man in the best position. Um, you know, their, their, their cross-field ball as well, they were looking for that diagonal ball the whole time. Um, you know, you, it is very obvious, you could see the likes of Shane Durkin at the half-back immediately picking the ball up. He was looking to the far side of the field, trying to deliver the, the ball for the advantage of the forward, you know, and, and that's certainly something that stood out, is that they're trying to, I suppose... To, to, to use the ball more efficiently um, as well I suppose the, the, the repositioning of a couple of their, their big names you know Peter Kelly um, has 
has been immense there at centre back uh, throughout most of the league. You know, um, he's a he's a he's a, a physical player there, but he's um, he's very skillful and he's and he's the legs for the position as well. You know, I mean, I, I look back to the the early stages of the, the game match as well. He was able to collect the ball and 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 outpace a lot of guys up along the sideline and put a ball over the bar, you know, for an inspirational score. So I think he's a huge asset. And likewise, Liam Rush there. I know the jury's been out in terms of some people would rather see him. Back in kind of in his in a more defensive position, but I think I think Liam offers something that maybe Dublin haven't had in the last couple of years, which is a target man. So they're able to to mix it in terms of you know play the ball short and and, and look for the, the points and and as well deliver long and know that Liam will is capable of winning his own possession and and you know not just being a target man, he's a very skillful player in his own right. You know, so I think they have a number of um, positives there, and as well I suppose some of the younger guys coming through, like Simon Lambert. And these guys, obviously, maybe not that young, but have been on the fringes of the panel for the last number of years and seem to have, have really stepped up there uh, this year, you know. And what about Mick Carton? He's gone into fullback now. He has been injured in recent weeks. We're not sure if he'll start this game. It looks likely that he might. But even if he doesn't, it looks like he's got the role for the championship. He, he seems to have adapted to that role. And as a man who played at number six for the, the, the majority of your inter-county career, I suppose you know how important it is to have a good three behind you. You used to have JJ and, and, and Noel Hickey. And of course, in front of Mick would be um, Peter Kelly, who you, were all, who you already mentioned. So they seem to be strengthening the spine of the team. And Liam Rush, you could add to that as well. And of course, you've, you've already talked about Rush. But what about Carton at three? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look through really any of the teams uh, this year, you know, the full-back position is critical, you know, and there's a number of teams have, I suppose, have been, one of their priorities really has been to try and nail down that position because it's, it really is such a pivotal position in the team, you know, it, it, it's, you need, a, you need a person there that's kind of, uh, that's a common influence that does the basics well, you know, you don't need someone that's flamboyant and, and will clear eight, eight out of ten balls, but then let two of them straight into the net, you know, you want someone who's, who's solid and does the basics well, first of all, and then can push on from there. Um, and as I said, there's a number of teams have been lo- on the lookout for a number three to try and fill that position, you know. And I think, uh, yeah, I think Michael Carton has, has done well overall during the course of the league for Dublin and as, as, you know, um, I suppose you take that court match out of it, but I, and there's not really too many players came out of that match with a huge amount of credit. But yeah, I think in general, uh, Michael has, has done very well there in the edge of the square. He wouldn't have been a recognised fullback at the beginning of the season. He would have been known more as a as a halfback and maybe midfielder. So he's he seems to have settled into that position and and, and, and enjoying the I suppose the, the physical aspect of it, you know. Um, and that's a huge plus for Gerrard. I think if 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 he can continue that kind of form. Uh, and obviously stay injury free I think it's a huge plus for Ger because it, it allows the likes of Peter Kelly then to, to push up further and obviously then to, to really steam rush down into the forwards And it's an interesting clash of styles I mean it's something you have mentioned a couple of times throughout the course of this that Dublin physically are up to it Cork we would see more as a kind of a a light, skillful side I'm not doubting that they have strength as well but um, it, it is a clash isn't it? It is, it is. Yeah, I mean, like, I know from down the years, the one thing that Dublin always uh, offered was, 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 was um, I suppose, a, a physical side, you know, a side that could, could uh, and would look to physically impose themselves, you know, and we're, we're always, uh, I suppose, um, enjoyed that aspect of the game. And we, and we as I, or I suppose, Kenny enjoyed that confrontation with them as well, you know. Um, so certainly, yeah, I mean, to have, uh, you know, in, in the forwards, I suppose, in particular, if you look at the, the puck-out options, I mean, they, they have some strong ball winners there. And, you know, throughout the team, they have some big guys there, you know, and uh, but they're also very, 
very mobile, which is you know, which I suppose is a, is, is a key part of the game now uh, these days. You know, um, but the likes of Danny Sutcliffe, you know, and uh, Ryan Dwyer and Simon Lambert and these guys, you know, on Neem Rush inside, they're all you know big guys, but they're all well well capable of winning their own ball. And um, so they, they, I suppose, they would have that advantage maybe over Cork, who would be a slightly smaller side and are a bit over reliant maybe on on Seamus Harnady in the forwards in terms of winning primary possession. You know, um, so that that's that's obviously a, a concern, but. I mean, Cork have Aidan Walsh there as well, who they look to try and utilise a bit more now in terms of their, their puck-out options. But certainly Cork do look to, uh, I suppose, bring a bit more variety to their game in terms of the puck-outs to try and bring in the, 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 the kind of the, the the smaller players, the faster players, the likes of the Conor Lahans and these guys, you know. And, and that's that's been an issue for them at times, um, whereby maybe the game has, has passed some of them by at certain stages. But I think if, if Cork bring a level of intensity uh, to the game which they've showed I suppose subsequently to having lost to Kilkenny in the first round that they are a very different team when they can bring that I suppose that level of uh, physicality and intensity and get their own game in place that they are um, a dangerous side in their own right you know What's your prediction for this one? Um, I think I think I think Dublin will 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 will, uh, will come out on top um, I just I just uh, I suppose from from the limit of view and I've seen of them over the course of the league. <laughs> Apart from, I think you can probably disregard the the, the game of Crow Park against Cork. I, I just think Dublin have. Uh, I've been impressed with the way they've they've tried to go about things in general, and I think physically as well. I think in in Nolan Park, and I think it'll suit them. And uh, I just uh, I think they might they might just edge it. Right. Let's talk about the game that uh, throws in at four o'clock. Tip taking on Waterford. I spoke to Shane Stapleton of the Star on the Monday Rewind podcast a couple of days ago and he said that Waterford have been the story of the season so far. Hard to disagree with that given that they have reached the semi-final from Division 1B and they were quite impressive when they came up against Galway, their first 1A opponents of the season so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, look, there's no doubt in the talent I think the Water have now at their disposal. Probably, if you were to have said at the beginning of the year, you know, they reach the league semi-final and, and gain promotion. You know, outstanding performance, but you possibly have predicted maybe a year earlier than expected or two earlier than expected. You know, they had all the talk coming from water. It was, it was um, I suppose, a building process and, you know, trying to bet in some of these guys that had come up from uh, the minor all and winning team and, you know, trying to build for for, the over, for over the next couple of years. So they have, um, but look, there's no time like the present and the very fact that they've managed to... Um, to uh, you know, settle into that uh, senior setup, and 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 really, you know, a couple of them have have looked like season campaigners already. You know, it's it's a huge bonus um, for Waterford, and I think, yeah, I mean, look, if, if they've had a, a super year so far in terms of, I suppose, getting promotions, it was the priority really um, to continue that, um, I suppose, progression or development of their players for next year. But um, you know, I think. Uh, why they have nothing to lose now, and they're in the semi-final. I think they'll be a dangerous opposition for Tipperary. You know, uh, there is talk that they are too defensive at times against Galway. Michael Brickwalsh was the only Waterford man in the Galway half. Is that something that they'll have to evolve? Because you might get away with that in the league, but it will be harder to get away with that as the year goes on and the ground gets harder, and you move into the championship and the more intense games. Yeah, I, I think it is something that we'll have to, uh, to be naive. I think to think that. The way they played against Galway in terms of dropping back and uh, getting men behind the ball will be enough for later on in the year. I think Galway drove a lot of bad wides and had a, a lot of bad uh, shot selections as well. You know, uh, <clears throat> dropping a lot of balls short and that, and 
you would expect certainly as the year progresses and teams are that bit sharper that that won't be happening you know and uh, you know, look, I mean, they did what they had to do to to beat Galway, and that's all you can ask of a young side, you know. Um, it showed, they showed great character and great fight, and that that in itself is a huge positive, you know. Um, you can only play, I suppose, what's in front of you, and, and, but certainly um, as the year progresses, they will look, and they'll have to look to, I suppose, if that is their, their, their tactic or their style of play, they'll have to look to try and um, evolve that, for that to evolve a bit, because that won't, in its own right, won't be so, won't be sufficient uh, later on in the year come Munster Championship. But look, as I said, they're a team in in in, in development, and uh, it's all part of the learning process for them. And I think, you know, the, you can't be playing games and winning uh, tight games, you know. And they show that um, they were able to grind out results against the likes of Galway, and um, they'll be similar against Tip. But certainly, I think Tip will have enough firepower that if, if they try to play that defensive game, that uh, Tip will 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 know how to counteract it. So they'll need to probably push on a little bit more and, and be a bit more adventurous. Tip of a few injuries, Kieran Bergen, among others, out Bergen through injury. Cottle Barrett is also out. And Noel McGrath, a word on him, he um, is undergoing surgery for testicular cancer. And it seems kind of shallow to talk about hurling when something like that is going yeah. on. But look, he's a good guy. And I'm sure before we go on talking more about this match, you want to take time out to wish him well. Oh, absolutely. Look, I was, um, you know, it was a huge shock when I heard it there um, earlier on in the week, you know, about Noel. I mean, I would have... Um, Obviously, he played against him a number of times. I would have marked him on numerous occasions. You know, I mean, a, um, a hugely skillful and talented um, player. You know, both both in hurling and football. Um, you know, I mean, he's a he's a he's a, he's a huge uh, player for Tipperary. Um, but I, as you said yourself, I mean, look, it kind of puts things in, a, in perspective a little bit. You know, when you hear news like that. Um, you know about sports and, and hurling in general. You know, but um, all, all I can hope is that, um, and I'm sure it, it, as, as uh, everyone's the same, is that he makes, makes a speedy recovery and that we do see him back on the hurling field in, in, in uh, sooner rather than later. You know, but uh, you know he'll be he'll be he, he, a huge loss to Tipperary and he's a huge loss to, to, to hurling in general because I suppose if players like Noel that you enjoy going to watch and see, obviously once you're not a defender trying to mark him, but. Uh, but yeah, look, he, he's the type of player that people love to pay money to go and watch and see. You know, so hopefully we see him back in the hurling field sooner rather than later. Yeah, very important character for Tipperary, and I would uh, echo all the words you just said. And he's the kind of guy who, win, lose or draw, doesn't hide. He 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 faces up regardless. Um, and just before I let you go, um, Brian, you're a former UCD student. Dave Billings passed away this yeah. week, and he was he was the 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 coordinator out there. But I, I kind of didn't want to put a title on him because. Dave Billings was so much more, not just in UCD, but in Dublin GA and the GA world. Yeah, geez, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe, uh, to be honest, um, when I read it, it was a bad morning all around, you know, I, I heard in the car on the way up about Noel, and then I was only in the office, and, and um, I'd seen the paper, uh, or seen, seen uh, on the online about Dave. I mean, I would have known Dave well. I spent four years in UCD, and yeah, it's hard to put a title on him, really, because he was... Um, he was everything, I suppose, to, to the GA community in UCD. I mean, you know, he, he really he kept he kept that going, and you know, he was a driving force behind it. Um, he, he was such such a great man in terms of looking after player the players, and uh, not just not just I mean, not just uh, I suppose the high profile if it's given players or county players. He had time for everyone. You know, I mean, he would have looked after basically anyone that was willing to give time to the GA society. You know, GA club be be intermediate, you know, um, harder in, in, in the society or, or a junior camogie player or whatever, fresher, 
you know, he had time for everyone and you could call up to his office in the sports centre any time and if you had any issues or, you know, regarding accommodation or, or anything at all and David always give you give you some time, you know, and, um, you know, there's loads of stories about him, you know, but he'd be a huge loss um, across the board, both to Vincent's um, to Dublin GA and, and, and particularly to UCD, you know, and it's very sad to see, to hear hear of his passing. Former Kilkenny hurler Brian Hogan, thanks for joining us uh, to share your memories of Dave Billings and to preview the Allianz League semi-finals. This is the News Talk Sport Rewind Big Weekend Special. Gaelic football now and Tipperary manager Tommy Toomey has named an unchanged side for tomorrow's Airgrid All-Ireland Under-21 semi-final against Dublin in Tullamore. It's been a great adventure for the Premier so far but one wonders will it continue past this game and they'll certainly Give it a crack. To preview that and the other match between Roscommon and Tyrone, we're joined by former Galway forward Michael Meehan, who's an ambassador for the Airgrid Under-21 Championship. Michael, Tip have shown in recent years, and especially this year, I guess, that they really are a coming force. They really are. And um, I know there was great scenes of joy when they got the better of Cork in the Munster final there last week. Um, And I suppose it's not as unusual but certainly, obviously, their their minor success, I think, back in 2011, you know, was their first big major breakthrough at this at an underage level, and and they've been able to follow it up again uh, this year, which is really significant, I suppose, in a, in a traditional hurling county where hurling is very strong at the minute and they're competitive. Um, the work that they're doing there, you know, up through the ranks, um, it, it's got to be applauded because to 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 be now facing into an All Ireland semi final against the reigning champions at this grade it, it's a real prize for these players and I'm, I'm, I've no doubt I'm just known and haven't seen a few of them over the last season or two with the Tipperary seniors they're not just there they're not just there to make up the numbers and Colin O'Reardon was so important in that Munster final he wasn't down to start he had yeah. an injury running into it he was able to start and he really pulled the, thr- the strings Ian Fahey had a good game as well another man who's played uh, senior football and um, you know there, there was yeah. good performances all over the park Stephen O'Brien as well yeah, Stephen O'Brien and Colin O'Reardon, I suppose they're, they're experienced lads at a senior level now. And they really stood up for Tipperary last year at a senior level. And it's, it's, it's brilliant that they you know, brought that form through to under-21 level. And Colin, you know, as you said, kind of came out of the blue. He had his injury going back a couple of weeks. Um, but obviously he's our captain, he's their leader as well. And uh, it just shows what it meant to him to get out there on the pitch and play that game. And, you know, they had no ticks from... Kevin O'Halloran up front and um, you know they put up a huge score against the Cork, uh, highly fancy Cork team What about Dublin? They name an unchanged team from the side that beat Kildare in the Leinster final The one weakness they have is perhaps that they are slow starters Yeah that's the point I was going to highlight uh, Looking to the Longford game you know it took them a while to get going into that match as well That was a semi-final Pretty much the same against Kildare They kind of got on top and, and got their goals at the end that's the one concern I'd have for them uh, I suppose reigning champions uh, a lot of the same lads involved again this year um, they won't be really able be uh, they won't really be able to afford to um, maybe give a start like that to Tipperary on, on Saturday but you know Cormac Costello came back the last day he scored 2-2 uh, he was he missed the earlier game um, Connor McHugh has been you know scoring consistently all year they're two of the best young forwards out there and you know they're strong through the middle, um, Gavin Burke, Shane Carthy. So, um, I you know if they play for 60 minutes, you know they have a real chance of making their what is it something like their um, fourth All Ireland in five years.
Yeah, it's a scary prospect, isn't it? They have an unreal yeah. amount of talent coming through, but very often at uh, this grade, it's the team that has the edge physically that can get through yeah. because they're both talented. They both have the skills, but you know, maybe at, at at this age, kind of you know, eighteen to twenty-one, you're not as physically developed. It's not an issue really for Tipper Dublin, so they're kind of equally matched going into it. They are. It it it, it has the makings of a very good game. Um, I think it'll be you know it'll be a game where you'll have obviously you'll have teams working back and getting men behind the ball, but I can see you know a, a good scoreboard at the end of this match. Um, what will it come down to? If it comes down to maybe just raw hunger and desire, who knows? Maybe Tipperary might have that a little bit more than the Dublin lads who have minor medals at this level. Or this group have an All Ireland minor medal. A lot of them have an All Ireland in 21 from last year. Um, but then to, to balance it back in, in Dublin's favour, you know they've got huge experience that senior uh, with their seniors and having been through that many All Ireland in the last few years. So uh, who knows what way it'll go? It'll be tight. Now, Markovic Park in Sligo, Roscommon taking on Tyrone. Roscommon are a real powerhouse in Connacht, especially at uh, underage grades in the last couple of years. They have been, and uh, they got to the All-Ireland final last year. They didn't have a good day out against Dublin up in Tullamore. Um, they have a good number of that panel, I think up on eight, maybe involved again this year. And they have a lot of good work done. Um, I saw them in the Connacht final against Galway. It was a... It was a very high-scoring game, 3.14 to 3.11. It was an exceptional game of football. Um, both teams kind of deployed maybe one extra man in defence, but definitely the priority was on getting the ball up the field and getting scores on the scoreboard. Roscommon, uh, on, on that occasion, were physically stronger than Galway in the middle third of the pitch. They had some really strong guys. Uh, you've Olsen Harney at 11, who's their captain. He's experienced at senior level. Kyle uh, Kinney at six. You know, They're very good players. Inside forwards is where they have the exceptional players on this squad, I think. Um, Jim Murta, who is just scoring at will, he's, again, he's experienced at senior level for them. In the Smiths, while he didn't get on the scoreboard much against Galway, I think he got uh, 3-2 against Sligo in the, in the Connacht semi-final. Um, I think they are really you know, up for this, and they have a big challenge against Tyrone. But, but, but uh, to be fair to Roscommon, they've a lot of work done. They have a great team there. And um, I know, well, they're, they're dying to get back into another Ireland final. That's just great. What's your prediction for this one? It's going to be a very different game for them. Tyrone came through the Ulster campaign, you know, a tight one-point win against Donegal. Um, you know, the style of play from that final and from, from Tyrone's uh, previous games, from what I gather, is very different to what Roscommon have come up, come up against so far. You know they will have a lot more bodies behind the ball, and they will counterattack uh, when they when they take the ball off you. So that will be something new for Roscommon. But I'm sure you know they've known about this now for the last week or uh, ten days, so they've been practicing to play against that. Equally, Tyrone are coming up against an exceptional scoring team, so um, it's going to be a contrast in styles. I might just think that Roscommon was shaded with their scoring power, and they have lads who are reliably scoring are consistently scoring their frees and can score from distance that they, they might just sneak by this in, in this one and, and get through to their second successive under-21 All-Ireland. Michael Meehan, thank you very much and thank you for listening to a Rewind Big Weekend special on News Talk. We're back 
Uh, on Monday, as per usual, Paddy Mulligan will talk to us about a big weekend in football at Chelsea taking on Manchester United in the Premier League and in the FA Cup, the two semi-finals between Reading and Arsenal on Saturday and Aston Villa and Liverpool on Sunday. We'll reflect on Leinster's clash with Toulon in the Champions Cup semi-final. Hopefully, and I say this as a monster man, we'll be talking about a Leinster win. We'll hear from within the Leinster camp, win, lose or draw, and we'll get analysis and We'll reflect on the Alliance League hurling semi-final double bill going on in Nolan Park this Sunday as uh, Cork take on Dublin at two and Waterford meet Tipperary at four. I'll be uh, at those games and uh, reporting on them across the afternoon on Sunday for Off the Ball. We'll also preview, by the way, uh, the Champions League quarterfinals second legs coming up next week and the Alliance Football League final between Cork and Dublin. That takes place on Sunday week. Until Monday... Uh, best of luck have a great weekend it's a huge sporting weekend try to get out for some fresh air though don't spend it all in front of the TV goodbye and good luck